The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. So happy you're tuning into the show. As always, I appreciate your support. Another great conversation today. Nick Walinda visited the show from the fabulous or the famous family name of the Great Walindas, you know, the famous circus family that has performed all those crazy feats throughout the years. And Nick Walinda, you've probably seen, you know, we, I think it was 2012, he walked over Times Square, then he did Niagara Falls live on TV, then the Grand Canyon, most recently over the active Masaya Volcano. I think I'm saying that right. But Walinda um, Nick is, is known for pushing the envelope, always identifying new iconic locations around the globe to conquer and stepping out in faith. He's got a new book out there called Facing Fear, which is what we talked about here. Facing Fear, Step Out in Faith and Rise Above What's Holding You Back. So if there's anybody that certainly knows how to talk about fear, it's Nick Walinda, right? I thought it'd be perfect to talk about that. We talk about fear all the time on this show, right? Fear and uncertainty never goes away. You hear me say that all the time, and it doesn't. And uh, we really dive in to you know, how do we deal with fear and how does he deal with it? It was interesting because he had a, a famous accident. I think it was 2017 and they were trying to break some world record uh, stacked, right? With a whole bunch of family members. And then uh, they fell and his sister fell, broke every bone in her face. And that was really after that incident happened. And this was just three years ago. And so Nick's been struggling, you know, getting back on the wire, you know, he can, he had kind of panic attacks after that. And, it was really interesting to see how he's worked through that over the last three years. Love this conversation. And of course, just, and I get into some of the technical stuff about walking on a wire, which is I'm kind of geeked out on, but uh, just a fun conversation with Nick. He's a great guy, really fun conversation, and you're really going to enjoy it. So um, we'll, we'll get into that. We got a brand new sponsor. Well, I'm so excited uh, to bring them on as a sponsor of the show, Hutton. And Hutton designs, builds, and services commercial construction projects throughout the Midwest. They are longtime fans of this show, and they are committed. I know them because I know the CEO personally, and I love their culture. They're committed to the highest standards in leadership, and they've been – again, they're a brand-new supporter of the show, and I'm, brand, I'm so proud to bring them on and have them part of the show. They're behind many projects that um, – particularly around this area, maybe you've appreciated or been to, but you never thought of how they came to be. They build stunning structures from the ground up, and they also do remodeling projects from hospitals, medical offices, manufacturing, industrial facilities, municipal buildings, financial institutions, churches, schools, anything and everything. They're they're some of the best builders out there. And what I like about them is that they, they're, they're both architects and builders because increasingly that's what really you want as a client, right? A single trusted partner to work with from start to finish. They totally get that. No drop balls, only their vision dropped from paper to structure. And it's more than a construction project for them. It really is. It's a creative endeavor, and that's what I love about them. 
something new on the horizon that everybody's proud of to put their names on, design, built, done. And what I really love about them is their culture. They always put people over projects, always. And that's, that's how they treat their clients. That's how they treat their employees. That's how they treat their community. Character counts to them. And that's why I'm so happy to bring them on the show as a sponsor. It's a great place to work. It's a great person to hire. If you're looking to build something, a construction project, I encourage you to reach out to them. They're professional, hardworking, charitable, got all those Midwestern values. That's who they are. That's Hutton. Go check them out at HuttonBuilds.com. That's H-U-T-T-O-N Builds.com to learn more. Thanks, Hutton, for being a sponsor. All right, let's get on with this conversation with Nick Walenda here on Dose of Leadership. All right, Nick Walenda on Dose of Leadership. Welcome, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Man, it's been exciting. Like I was telling you before the recording, I was always been a fan of your stuff and watching you walk and do all those crazy things. And I thought, man, it'd be great to have you on the show. And here you are finally. So the, the, one more thing off my dose of leadership bucket list to check off. So thanks for coming awesome. on. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to be here. Man, I love this concept of the book. We talk about fear a lot on this show. And a lot of times people ask me, so what's the of all the interviews I've done, what's the big takeaway in the lesson? And one of them is that the fear and uncertainty never goes away. And that's been an aha moment for me over the last seven years where I've I've learned to em- embrace it, right? That it never fully goes away. And it's actually kind of a blessing. What, what do you think about when you hear me say that? Yeah, look, I wouldn't, I could, could tell you a million ways that we have to embrace our fears. In fact, in my book, I talk a lot about healthy fears and unhealthy fears. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are both kinds. And, and some of those fears are what drive us to, to continue to want to get better, continue to work harder, continue to, to strive for excellence. Um, you know, fear of failure can be used as a positive or a negative. And, and for me, the fear of failing, well, in the literal sense on the wire, it cost <laughs> yeah. me my life, of course, but right. just in life in general, that fear of failure is what drives me to continue to be the best that I can be, whether I'm sweeping the floor or, uh, or walking the wire over an active volcano. Yeah. Do you feel like I've come to the mindset or believe, I feel like that fear, that gnawing or whatever, the, those physical manifestations that you feel, I do feel like it's the universe, it's God, it's the angels, the muse, whatever you want to believe, has put something on your heart. And it's, I almost look at it as an obligation to kind of work through. And if you do work through it, something significant happens on the other side. I do feel like when you get to the kind of questions of why, why are we here and the purpose, I think that that fear that you feel is a barometer on what you probably should be doing. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, look, I would agree with you. I mean, I know that that the my greatest achievements come from me stepping outside of my comfort zone, which mm-hmm. is stepping into fear. That is that is again on the wire, off the wire. Whether it be talking on stage to to a couple thousand people or walking a wire wherever that might be, the reality is every time that I do that, I step outside of my comfort zone, and I think that fear is so vital. In fact you know, what you, the fear that you're referring to, I, I really call respect. And there's, there's a fine line between the two, I agree. but I've been told that Elton John pukes in a trash can before he goes out (laughs) on stage. Right. He's certainly not scared to go out and play the piano and sing. That's just who he is. He's, he's the best of the best, but I believe it's because he wants to deliver to such a high level that he feels that stress and that anxiousness before he goes out on stage still to this day. And again, I think that's what makes him great. It's the same with, with, I think most people that are successful. I think if you asked some of the best athletes in the world, they would tell you the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're the best athletes in the world. They still get nervous because they believe they know they have to deliver to such a high level and they use that fear to drive them to deliver to that level. And, And I think that's so important. And I think it's important to really realize that there is a difference between fear 
uh, a healthy fear and unhealthy fear. And that, and that again, fear is, is often respect, uh, you know, just relating that to the walking the wire. When I get on the wire, uh, before I walk over Times Square per se, it's not as though my heart rate drops and I just go, okay, here we go again. Right. No, my heart rate goes up. And when I walk to the edge of a building, it does. I'm real just like anyone else, but I can take that and say, okay, that is respect. I respect the fact this, this is dangerous. And therefore I train and prepare prior to those events immensely so that I'm prepared for whatever I might face during those walks. That resonates with me, you know, as, as a I've been a professional aviator for, for 30 years and fly professionally for a major airline. And I was talking with somebody about this this morning and and every time that she goes, well, you must be pretty comfortable doing it. I said, I am, but I intentionally think about crashing all the time. And that sounds morbid, but it's sure. the respect thing that I'm talking about. I don't, I don't walk into it thinking, oh my God, I could crash this and, and the horrific things that come with it. I do it for a respect thing, right? So that I, yeah. so I, so I don't get complacent. That's why I look at it that way. Yeah. Complacency is dangerous. It is very dangerous in any aspect, similar to what, you know, aviation, walking a wire, uh, being a police officer, you know, if you become, if you become complacent, it becomes a very, very dangerous. If you're a police officer and you're always aware of what's going on, uh, chances are you will be much safer from the police officer than the police officer who's just, you know, okay, I'm going to work today. It's another day in the job. The reality is we need to continue to push ourselves. And what I've found is when I become complacent is when I, there's a close call something happens. I get with a big gust of wind or something along those lines. And it's a wake up call. Like, Hey, you know what? Don't become complacent. Pay attention to what you're doing. You're risking your life. And, and I think that really applies to everybody in every aspect of life. If we become complacent, we sort of become stagnant. And if we're stagnant, we're not moving forward. And I choose to live my life trying to move forward every single day. What's the, what's the, I'm sure you get this question a lot, but the motivation, obviously you're born into this family. It's, it's, it's in your, your blood, but as you've had time to kind of look back with wisdom and you, and you've accomplished so many great things, what, what is the driving factor now, as opposed to maybe when you were a teenager and like, Hey, I want to be like, you know, great grandfather or grandfather did and everything. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I always say I, I used to do what I do to impress women. Uh, (laughs) and and now I've been married for 20 years happily. And, and really I don't do what I do to impress people. I I do it to inspire people. And Mm -hmm. that is truly my driving force. You know, when I look at my next event, I look around and say, what would, what would inspire me on the front of the USA today or, or a postcard? If I see that photo, would it be inspirational? And, and, and I choose to use my occupation to inspire others that nothing's impossible. And all the while proving to myself the same time that nothing's impossible. As long as I continue to, to push myself to be better and step out of my comfort zone, I'll continue to do the same for others around me. Right. And I mean, certainly I can, I can see how you, uh, particularly at the stage that you're at now, it's, it's easy to wrap your arms around and say, man, yeah, this is, this is why I'm doing this. Is that what you feel like your calling is? It, it is to inspire. I call it making the campsite better than you found it. And we all have certain things that we can do or called to do that we can make the campsite better than you found it. And it seems like this is in your heart. Yeah. You feel like this is what you're meant to do, right? This, this yeah, is your, absolutely. This yeah. is, this is life to me. In fact, my great grandfather said it best. He said, life is on the wire and everything else is just waiting. And for my family, that's true. You mentioned it a minute ago. My family history dates back to the 1780s. Sure. So well over 200 years, seven generations, we've been walking wires there are only a couple of us with the Walenda name that are really well known. And it was my great grandfather, Carl Walenda, and then myself. And I don't know what the drive is or why I have that drive, but it is certainly something from within, but it doesn't always come naturally. There's sure. often times where I have to get up, get out of bed and get back on that wire when I don't feel like it. 
but I continually have to drive myself. And, and I made a decision at a young age that whatever I did, uh, in fact, I worked at a restaurant for several years and we can talk about that in a little bit about starving artists and that whole, that <laughs> whole thing. But, but I, I, I lived that life. And when I worked in that restaurant, I started as a busboy at 15, all while pursuing my dreams of being a performer and entertainer. Um, and during that time I worked my butt off. And in fact, by the time I was 21, I was the general manager of that restaurant. I can tell you that it wasn't every morning that I got up and went, I can't wait to go work at the restaurant. Yeah. But I truly believe that integrity is, is something that I believe karma is real. In fact, it's biblical, but I believe that it is real. And I believe that, uh, you know, th that, that we will be paid back for the work that we do. And I knew that if I worked to my best of my ability, that eventually, uh, I would have that breakthrough and be able to pursue and, and actually achieve the dreams that were set in my heart. So when you're, when you're working in that restaurant, the dream was specifically what was it to just to be an entertainer? It was, was it to carry yeah, on the to carry name? On the, yeah, yeah, it was to carry on this legacy. So my my grandfather wrote a book in the in the late seventies, mid to late seventies, and in that book he said, as a circus performer, which is my family history, one day you eat the chicken and the next day you eat the feathers, and that's <laughs> right. that's been true throughout my mm -hmm. life, throughout my parents' career. My my mom wrote a book in the uh, mid eighties that was titled "The Last of the Walendas" because she believed there was no future of wire and wire walking in, in in the circus world. So. My parents really pushed me away from the industry. Interesting. The problem was I started walking wire when I was 18 months old. I started performing in front of an audience when I was two. My mom was six months pregnant with me and still walking the wire. I've I've walked a wire, you know, longer than I've been on earth. Right. Uh, my feet have been on earth anyway. So, um, you know, because of that, it was my passion. But my parents kept saying, no, you need to go do something else. You need to be able to support a family. So the dream, the passion was to carry on that legacy. However, the reality was I needed to support my dream. And, and, and in my book, I talk a lot about that. In fact, one of the reasons I wrote this book, Facing Fear, was written to people that are going to work Monday through Friday mm -hmm. because they've settled for status quo, but they haven't pursued their, their calling and they're not fulfilling their dreams, but they've settled because of fear. They know there's a paycheck on Friday that covers the mortgage, so yeah. they're going to stay there. And what I tell people is use wisdom, pursue your dreams, but use wisdom while doing so. I didn't quit my job at the restaurant. I busted my butt at the restaurant all the while saving money so that I could promote my dream, which for me, promoting my dream was advertising and, and reaching out to agents and finally signing a contract, which my first book, Balance, talks a lot about the ups and downs of life and how I would take five strides forward and four steps backwards, but I, I continued to drive forward through it all. It's interesting. I love hearing that aspect of it. Um, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I think it's, you know, we talked about, you know, the angels amuse God, the universe, whatever, put something on your heart and you're sitting there washing dish, dishes or you're in this dead end job that you just hate going to. Um, when you, when you're here and what you're wanting is way up here, right? And that gap and that chasm can seem so vast, right? Yeah. And that resistance that gets put on you is so real right and i think it tries it, it tries to kill you it tries to stop yeah. your dream and it'll use people close to you it'll use your your parents or your spouse or your best friend to try to stop you from that crazy dream yeah but isn't I, that crazy yeah and but i i think that and you're a perfect example is or, or i want to see what your response to this is is and i'm sure you probably got a lot of resistance from that dream you already said that your parents are trying to steer Absolutely. you in another direction What's interesting I find, and I know this personally and I've talked to many people, this has personally happened in my life. When I pursued through that resistance, it's like the universe had to move, if that made sense. And then things start lining up. It, so yeah. the point is 
I don't know how it got done sometimes. It just got done, but I just kept driving through that resistance. You seem like yeah, that, that resonates with you. Yeah, it's about getting back up and continuing to get back up because you will get knocked down. Uh, but, you know, I think the, the confusion that a lot of people have is that failure uh, is failure. But yeah. the reality is failure equals success right. because you can't be successful until you fail. And, right. and, and I think the, the most successful people in the world would tell you, I failed. And then I got back up and then I failed again and then I got back up. And it's the ones that keep getting back up that eventually achieve, get to that level that, that you're talking about. But you have to continue to get back up. And eventually, as you said, things will start to align. It will happen. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so many people are on the cusp of success or what they call success, whatever success is to them. And they give up at that point. And, and, that, uh, and I know that it would have been easy to do so. I, I talk again, I talk a lot about how I, I would, I would, I went from the restaurant uh, signed a contract to break a world record in Japan after becoming the general manager of that restaurant and and literally working my butt off so that I knew that if I didn't get another gig after Japan, they would hire me back in a second. Uh, I was just that necessary and they hated to see me leave, but I went back, I went to Japan, broke this world record, made headlines around the world and thought, great, here we go. Our career's taken off now and went back and worked at the restaurant for four more years. Wow. You know, the, the reality is it, if, and I still got back up and I still pursued that dream and trust, trust me, there were many times that my parents were looking at me like, and they, they weren't, they were always supportive, but I'm, I know they were looking at me like, I told you so, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. you, you should have. And if, if they weren't definitely that little devil on the shoulder there mm -hmm. was saying, I told you so, I told you, you weren't going to succeed in this. I told you you were wasting your time Should just pursue a career elsewhere. But I still had that desire. I still had that that passion to pursue something different and continue to do so. And after those three years, I signed a contract to headline on Ringling Brothers, uh, performed there for two years. And after those two years, broke a world record live on the Today Show and announced I wanted to walk over the Grand Canyon mm -hmm. and uh, signed a deal with, with NBC for my first live two-hour TV special. And six months, actually three months prior to the event, the new head of specials at NBC called and said, sorry, we're, we're not going to we're not going to do this anymore. Wow. I've, I'm replacing the old guy and, and we're taking this off our schedule. Um, again, get knocked down and you feel like giving up, but that's why I sign every autograph, never give up because my, I want to encourage people no matter what, just keep getting up, just keep getting up. So, so then from there, I went on to sign a, ser a, a deal with the discovery channel for a six part series filmed, broke five Guinness world records, did crazy things like hanging by my teeth at 300 feet under a helicopter and, and performing blindfolded with 40 mile an hour winds on this wheel of steel, 280 feet above the boardwalk in Atlantic city and did all these amazing things. Went to New York city, announced my TV series was starting that night on, uh, on the today show. I announced it, went back to Branson, Missouri. I happened to have a show there at the time. And that uh, the, they aired one episode of discovery and said, sorry, we're taking this off the air. Oh my gosh. And, uh, so again, <laughs> man, I thought finally I've made it with this TV special on NBC. Finally, I made it with this series on the discovery channel. And I mean, I, you can't make it up. I mean, it's just the reality. I continued to get knocked down and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to give up. I'm going to go pursue permission to walk across Niagara falls. Now that was, that was the most ambitious project I'd ever thought of because it took changing two laws, one in the United States and one in Canada over a hundred years old, just to get permission to do that walk, let alone walk that cable. So after a year and a half of trying to seek permission, finally, I changed the law on the U.S. side, got the permits on the, on the Canadian side, and was going to walk over Niagara Falls. And that's finally when I finally had my break. But that's, that's over about a 14-year period where I just kept getting up and kept getting up and kept getting up, not wanting too often, you know, no, you know, being completely transparent, sitting on my couch in tears, like, yeah. what the hell am I doing with my life? Right. 
but I still had this desire and I was like, no, I am not going to give up. I am going to do this. And then, you know, eventually, uh, I bet it was blessed. So interesting turnaround is I walked over Niagara Falls, uh, the day after I walked over Niagara Falls live on ABC, it was seen by 13 million people mm-hmm. in the U.S. live that day. Uh, the phone rang from every network across the country the next day saying, we want Nick to walk over the Grand Canyon on our network. One of those phone calls was the president of Discovery who'd taken my series off the air. And she was told by the founder, uh, Mr. Hendricks, she was told by him, you better call him and do whatever it takes to get him back on our network. <laughs> and then come full circle. Uh, I ended up walking over the Grand Canyon live on the Discovery Channel, breaking rating records. Mm-hmm. They are the largest network in the world, 23 million people in the U.S. alone, and uh, sort of the rest is history. But as long as you keep pushing and keep working, eventually it all comes – everything comes full circle. Yeah, it's definitely a testament. That's a great, great story, and, and you're a perfect example of of how it's it's – less about the talent everybody kind of focuses on the talent and like the talent's a given you it's a given that you are talented and you know how to walk on the wire and do these crazy things but what's not the given is the tenacity piece it's always the tenacity and and you're a living testament of that that's the other big lesson that i've got from doing all these interviews everybody says the only difference between me and that person was he gave up and i didn't he was actually smarter more talented had more money whatever but he quit and I didn't. It's it's funny you say that because I say it all the time. There's probably about 30 or 40 wire walkers out there that are way better than me. Yeah. But I had the tenacity to keep going. Yeah. And I and I do. I say that all the time. That's the, you know, and that and the encouraging thing, I think, to people understand that, that that is 100% choice, right? There's nothing stopping you from choosing not to quit. And I know it, it makes it, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be stinking hard, hard as hell, yeah. like you said. And like you said, you're, you're on the couch crying. <laughs> like, what yeah. the hell am I doing with my life? Yeah. But I think it's- Yeah, and we often, I, I mentioned that, you know, the little devil on one shoulder and mm-hmm. you got the angel on the other. And for some reason, that little devil overpowers the angel every time. God, and dang, I can't yeah. tell you how many times I have that, that, that voice saying, you're, you know, you're not going to make it. They're not going to change a law in the United States. Mm-hmm. Who's going to change a law for you to walk across Niagara Falls? Uh, you're, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your money. You're wasting your resources. And, um, and again, you've got to fight that, man. Mm-hmm. I talk in this latest book about just that, that we are in control of our, of our mind and our thoughts. Yep. Our thoughts aren't in control of us. And if we can grasp that, we can achieve any goal, any dream that we've ever vision, envisioned. Well, I think in embracing the truth that it's no matter what level of significance or success, however you define success is, it never goes away. I think that is an yep. important thing to understand that no matter how much Nick Walinda achieves and, you know, I think there's this kind of myth when, you know, if I'm a junior wire walker and I'm looking at Nick Walinda and I'm like, I want to be like you someday, um, my 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 faulty assumption is that oh he's made it and he's fearless and he doesn't you know what i mean and it's and i think it's important when people like yourself have achieved significant things tell people that it's a daily struggle even even today to this yeah to this day it absolutely is and it's continually reinventing the wheel yeah i mean even in my industry i've gotten to a level where there is very few there are very few if any other wire walkers that are known by name recognition and it is still, I still have to be creative. I still have to think outside of the box. I still have to work extremely hard to continue to build that brand and build these opportunities. It's not as though, you know, they just come knocking at the door. It is one of the misconceptions. You're a Walenda. You have a, a legacy over seven generations. Therefore, it was easy for you. It was handed to you. <laughs> right. and not at all. Not it, was, at all. it was far from that. It was, in fact, yeah. just the opposite of that. I'm curious about when you step on a wire. Is it to the point now 
like for example, when things are going crazy and this and that, and I love flying, it feels it's such an integral part of who I am. It like uh, things can be going to hell in a handbasket and stressful. When I get in that plane and I sit in the cockpit and I take, it feels like I'm wearing a comfortable pair of blue jeans or I'm picking up that old baseball mitt that's so worn in. It feels, you know, it's an extension of your yeah. hand. Is that what it feels like to you when you step on a wire? Is it like, is that yeah. like home to you? Yeah. I think when you finally find your passion and what you're called mm-hmm. to do, which some people never do, and we're very blessed to have, to have been able to do that. But I think once you find that and you're doing you're fulfilling that there is, yeah, there's a, a sense of, of peace. People don't understand how you calm and peaceful walking over an active volcano, but it, it the troubles of the world are gone at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're where you need to be and you're just floating through life, if you will. And, and um, you know, people are shocked again by that because they think that it would be just quite the opposite of that when I'm, when I'm on these cables. But uh, yeah, the reality is there is, there's something just extremely relaxing about it. Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, and I wanted to take the time to introduce you to Ben Hutton, the sponsor of today's episode. Ben, tell our listeners what Hutton is all about. Hey, thanks, Richard. You know, we're a huge dose of leadership fans here at Hutton, so I appreciate the opportunity to sponsor your your program and be with you here today. You know, Hutton is a commercial architecture and construction firm headquartered in Kansas, but we do work really throughout the Midwest, designing and building things like hospitals, office buildings, schools, industrial and manufacturing facilities. But really, uh, more than that, we see ourselves as leaders in the communities that we serve. Yeah, that's one thing I've always appreciated about you, knowing you all these years. I love your intention around leadership and your vision as a company. So what do you think makes Hutton different? Sure. You know, Richard, our purpose is to build life into our employees' dreams, clients' visions, and communities' future. We really start with putting our people first, and then we keep people at the center of everything that we do, which really means we walk alongside of our clients from the very first thoughts they have about a building all the way through completion and then maintenance into the future. I love it. That's why I'm glad that you're a sponsor of this show, Ben. So great. How can people learn more about your company? Yeah, so to learn just a little bit more about us, you could go to huttonbuilds.com slash togetherwebuild. Great, Ben. Thanks for being a sponsor. Talk to me about the the. I'm gonna come jumping around here, but I just thought about when you mentioned in the book the accident that happened, and then like kind of the the big mindset shift, how you looked at wire walking life and maybe even fear, and then the the accident happens, and then afterwards, what's the shift? What happened? Yeah, people don't understand. Look, I've lost seven family members performing over the last 200 years. That's a lot of people obviously i've seen mm-hmm. videos of the seven person pyramid falling in 1962 or, yeah. or photos actually still images but uh and then my great grandfather losing his life in 1978 yeah um so i saw that my whole life and i always knew that it was a reality but never in my wildest dreams that i think it would become uh, i knew it was a possibility i never thought it would become a reality and it, and it did uh, we were training in 2017 to break our own world record for the highest four level eight person pyramid and uh, after training for about six weeks with it, with our core team, we made our way up to 28 feet where we were going to break this world record two days following that. And as we made our way out on the wire, uh, I was in the back on the bottom, that pyramid collapsed. And um, by the grace of God, I caught the wire and uh, my sister fell to the ground. My aunt, three other friends fend- fell to the ground. Three of us stayed up on the wire. How, how high are we talking about here? Of the fall so, are we talking about? So we were at, our feet were at 28 feet. My aunt on the fourth layer, layer her, her head was at about 50 feet. Good Lord. Um, so really, I think statistics say something like 30% chance of surviving from a fall of that height. Mm-hmm. And we had five. 
what I didn't realize is although I wasn't physically injured that day, I was mentally injured. Mm. And um, I went on, my sister had broken every bone in her face. She was in a coma. Um, And a long story short, I decided I was going to get back on the wire. My my great grandfather had an accident in 1962 in Detroit where they fell. Two uncles paralyzed. Uh, sorry, two uncles killed. One uncle paralyzed in that accident. And my great grandfather snuck out of the hospital the next day against the doctor's orders with injuries to perform again. Wow. And and I decided I was going to get back on the wire uh, a day afterwards. I do a lot of motivational speaking from the wire where a corporation will will actually rent out an arena and I'll, I'll walk on a wire 150 feet up and give a, oh, deliver really? a, a message from the wire. Oh, that's great. And so I went on to perform the following day. And then for the next six weeks, we were contracted to, to, to headline on a on a show in Florida. So I, I was going to fulfill that contract, although we weren't going to do the eight person pyramid, I still was able to gather the group that wasn't injured and perform. And after that, we took about uh, six weeks off. And then I was contracted to recreate that, that pyramid, uh, but in New York City. And when we got back to the wire, after about a week of rehearsals, I realized that something was different inside mm. of me. And I, I didn't know, I didn't realize really what it was. I had to sort of learn what it was because on the wire I was fearless up until that point. But, uh, as I was making my way out on the wire training, I, I started to actually tremble on the wire, physically tremble Wow! to the point where I, I, I went to my wife and said, I don't think I can do this anymore. And uh, my wife is very supportive, comes from uh, the third oldest circus in Australia and seven generations on one side, eight on the other. So she understands she's got a couple Guinness world records herself. So she understands my mindset and, and, uh, and, and can support me like maybe someone who didn't have that background uh, could and she said, um, she said, look, I, I understand what you're saying that, that you want to give up. And I understand that you're, you're, I, at that point I was reliving the accident. It was actually, uh, the pyramid was falling in front of me as oh, I was on man. the wire. I was watching it collapse, uh, as I was rehearsing, uh, to recreate it. And, uh, she said, but you know, your family's lived by the words, the show must go on. You live by the words, never give up. You live to inspire people. There's nothing inspirational about you giving up. You need to think about this. And it was sort of harsh. It was a harsh response, but mm-hmm. she said, but I'll support you, whatever, whatever you decide. But it, it sort of set me into, into this whirlwind of, of sort of experiencing this. What am I experiencing and, and how do I overcome it? Um, and, and that's where this book sort of came in was the process that I had to go through, which again, was, was, it was all about the power of the mind. It was all about, all about my mind going to these dark places the entire time, rather than, rather than focusing on the, the fact that I'd held that pyramid over 2000 times successfully. And one time we had an accident and I caught the wire. I did what I was supposed to do and I was safe. Um, my mind wanted to focus on, on that one time, that one negative experience. And I think um, if we can, again, if, if we can learn to, 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 to pluck the weed out of the garden per se, mm-hmm. I say it often, if, if you got a weed growing in your garden, you pull it out immediately, it goes away. But if you allow it to grow and spread seeds that germinate, and eventually it'll take over your garden. And that's the same with these, you know, with this negative thought that, that the process that we go through. I, I can relate it to walking a wire over the Grand Canyon, 43 mile an hour winds. Jim Cantori is on site for a lot of my events. My dad is talking in my ear. We're communicating together. And my dad uh, said, as I knelt down on the wire, he said, you just got hit with a 43 mile an hour gust. And immediately my mind wanted to go crazy, like get down, hold on, you know, wait for help. Mm -hmm. But I could counter that, that thought, uh, with the fact that I trained in 90 mile an hour winds. Okay. I'm trained. I'm prepared for this. That's nothing. 43. Okay, great. Um, so I try to try to 
practice that in life now, whether it's an argument with my wife and, and immediately my mind wants to go to, to uh, 20 years of arguments rather than 20 happy years of amazing, right. you know, amazing uh, times that we spent around the world. We could really learn to. And, and I will tell you this. I was the first to roll my eyes when I listened to somebody when I was on the other side of the speaker. <laughs> I was yeah. the first to go. That is such BS. Just don't, you know, don't allow your mind to go there. That's such BS. Man, I tell you what, it has changed my life. This accident has changed the way I see life, the way I handle life, the way I handle situations, my relationships. Um, you know, I always said I lived every day like it was my last. And I think we all should because the reality is it could be. But uh, in this now that this accident happened, I truly live every day. And I, I, I've learned to forgive people quicker. I've learned to love people more. I've learned to mm. see people, just people on the street in a different light because of that situation. So something that was extremely negative, a situation that could have killed me, could have killed my sister. Mm -hmm. We can talk about her recovery and the rest of them in a minute, but that could have killed us. I've now used that to create something extremely positive. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, obviously it was a humbling event and specifically changing the, I guess we call it negative self-talk or the, or the limiting belief that would had kind of infected your psyche because of the accident was it as was it just as you said telling you telling even though you didn't maybe feel it was it the starting point just telling the exact opposite to yourself like in other words it's like yeah in in a in a sense it was you're gonna fall and seeing that accident and then saying no i'm not i've done this thousands of times right I'm not going to fall. It's, and it sounds like, uh, you know, like a lunatic, but the reality is it is a conversation that I think all of us have and it is, it is a constant battle and I'm not going to fool anyone and tell you, I still don't deal, go through that. I still don't deal with it. Uh, but I've learned that I can overcome it. It'll continue to come up, Mm -hmm. but I can continue to overcome it. That's the key. Um, Yeah. That's, I love that you said that because I think you're right. And I think, you know, And I equate it to even the simple thing that we all have, you know, the negative self-talk. And I think it's like when you turn that volume up or that self-awareness, and I think it scares a lot of people when uh, you start listening and how much negative self-talk we actually tell ourselves, right? Yeah. And for me, the intentionality where I I started to see things change was similar to what you were kind of saying is like, okay, pick whatever it is. Uh, I don't belong in this space. If these people knew what I, how much I little, I know they wouldn't have me in the room with them, you know, imposter syndrome type stuff. And if I catch myself saying that, and I'm like, I went through a period of like, wow, I'm really saying it a lot. And I think it was just, I was always saying it. I just had it tuned down, but now I became self-aware. So I got past the kind of the shock of how much I was saying it. But then I started saying the opposite. Like you do belong in that room, even though I didn't feel it, if that makes sense. Even though, yeah. Even Even though though I didn't feel it. it, I said it. Yeah. And then I said, well, is it uncategorically true that I don't belong in that room? Well, no, you've been in rooms like that before. You know what I mean? And then you start just kind Correct. of chip. You chip. can reason it and you can reason it either way. That's right. Uh, and you choose which direction you go. And that's where I'm saying you, we can control our thoughts. We can control where we allow our mind to go. We can choose to go down that rabbit trail or we can choose to go the positive direction. Um, so, you know, I, what I've learned through life is that every every valley has led to the mountaintop, yeah. to the peak. And when I look back from the peak, I go, Wow. I would have never gotten here if I didn't walk through that valley. There's yeah, no way I would have true. made it here. So the the most growth, mental growth, the most wisdom I've gained in my life 
is when I'm in the valley. Yep. You know, when you're when you're up on the top, you're sort of you're the king, you know, and you're just you're there. But uh, so I'm, I've learned to to appreciate the valley. I've learned to to uh, to accept it and realize that that is a reality. Uh, no matter who we are or what we've been through, there will always be valleys. Yeah. And um, and that if we can appreciate them. But also if we can look to the other side, you know, I use the analogy of walking across Niagara Falls. I wasn't focused on the heavy mist, wasn't focused on the heavy winds and those, those roaring falls, but I was focused on that rock at the other end. Yeah. The objective. And, yeah. and if we can, if we can do that when we're down in that valley and it's not easy, I'm not no. saying it is, and I'm not going to yeah. act like it is. It sucks. It does. It's suck. going through hell sometimes, mm-hmm. but if we can continue to force ourselves and go, nope, I'm going to look to the other side. Uh, I, I'm going to smile. I'm going to force a smile, even though I feel horrible. I don't feel like smiling. I'm miserable. I'm pissed off. I'm still going to smile. Um, there's just something powerful about about that attitude. And, and and I've even learned I've I've got to limit time that I spend with certain friends because certain friends will bring me down, yeah, suck you down to yeah. that valley rather than than lift me up. You know, and 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 I think we have to be very smart in in choosing a what we feed into our minds. The even the music we listen to, there's mm-hmm. a lot of power in music. There's a lot of power in those words that are being fed into our heads. You know, I, I was listening uh, recently to um, the Hitler trials, and one of the generals who was sort of in charge, uh, they asked him in the trials, "How did you convince?" all of these people to just basically walk to their death and get on these trains. And he said, we lied to them and they didn't believe us. So we lied to them again. And then they didn't believe us. So we continued to lie to them. And eventually they believed it and they believed this was for their good. And they literally walked into their, into their own gas chambers willingly because they thought that's what they needed to do. And uh, I find that fascinating because it shows if we feed enough into our minds, we will start to go that direction. Mm -hmm. So I, I have, I've cut out all the negativity, whether it be words in a song in fact, I don't even say the words, my head is killing me because I believe that it's just speaking death. Why would I say that? You know, my head hurts and, you know, I need to get a, a, a Tylenol, but, but why would I speak death over myself if, if I continue to speak uplifting in life? That's interesting, you know, to take it to that, that level, which I can truly appreciate. And I, and I, I agree with you because I think I'm a firm believer that, you know, the subconscious, it doesn't know, it doesn't know what's real and what isn't, Right. I mean, it's, it's like, yep. so you can tell in yourself, it's like, you, you know, do you want to plant, you know, what's the analogy is, um, you know, do you want to plant weeds or do you want to plant, you know, corn or something yeah. abundant, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it, the, the, the subconscious doesn't know it's going to, it's going to grow whatever you put there. That's right? correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we tend to water it and our friends or the music we're listening to or, mm-hmm. or the shows. I, I don't even watch a lot of news. I read all my news now. Yeah, because there's I, I'm just with so you. much negativity that what benefit is it? I would love to come out with an all positive news channel. I know, just isn't it all so positive much? stories, nothing yeah. negative. Leave politics, leave all of that stuff out of it. It's just positive stories because the reality is there is a lot of positive going on in our world. There is. There's, there's a, a lot, lot of hurting of people that are being helped, and, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of addicts that are recovering, and there's a lot of great stories out there. But it's it's so our minds and in media and everything surrounding us is so prone to negativity. Yeah. And, um, ble- and again, bleed I believe it leads, I, right. It's a whole thing. The whole, if it bleeds, it leads. And that's, it's, it's, yeah. it's in hyperdrive now. And I agree yeah. with you hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. 
How did you know? You mentioned your sister. I'm curious, like what happened with the other family members? How did how did their recoveries go? What was the lasting yeah, so, impacts with that? So all five of them have recovered and 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 performed in one aspect or another, returned to performing. In fact, within six months, which is absolutely miraculous, all of them had gotten back on the wire. Uh, my sister had it bad. She broke every bone in her face. She has Man. 73 screws and plates in her face alone. Broke her calcaneus in her arm, her leg, and internal bleeding. She was in a coma. Um, and we didn't know if she was even going to survive, let alone walk again, let alone be able to, to right. return to normal life. About a year and a half after the accident, I had just received permission from New York City to walk across Times Square on a wire. And I was flying home from that meeting in New York. And I thought, it just dawned on me. I'm like, I, I should reach out to my sister and see if she wants to be a part of this. What more would say that nothing is impossible or prove that than somebody who was who should have lost their life, but not only life, but not only recovered, but recovered to the point to be do that, do able to, to accomplish this amazing task. So I called her and I, I said, Liana, are you interested in walking? And she's like, absolutely. I would love to, I'd be honored to. So within about three months of that conversation, mind you, she'd been training. In fact, as soon as she could get out of her wheelchair, she was trying to get back on that wire. Now, mind you, it's down low, two feet off the ground, but she was on that wire immediately. So she'd been training and she was dealing with a lot of pain because calcaneus is one of it's, it's in the lower part of your ankle. Yeah. I'm sorry, your heel. It's one of the most painful breaks that you can have actually. And uh, she was trying to overcome that, not only overcome the most painful break, but it's in your foot and you're walking on a wire. Mm. So, uh, but she worked very, very hard. And after, after about three months, we walked over Times Square together and I would say, uh, Mike Strahan's a buddy of mine who, um, NFL player yeah. and he hosts mm-hmm. good morning America. And he hosted that special for me on ABC. Yep. And he said, when you're in the NFL and you return from an injury, you don't return to the Super Bowl. My sister returned to the Super Bowl and won MVP. The reality was that walk that she did was, uh, three times longer and two times higher than anything she'd ever done in front of an audience. Oh in her entire really? Career. Now, mind you, she trained very hard down low. We train on cables. We'll do laps. So she would walk a mile on that cable, much further than Times Square, all in training. But in front of a live audience at that height, that was the longest and highest that she'd ever attempted. That's amazing. Yeah, it was really, really cool to be a part of it. And and again, our family's all about proving that you can overcome anything. Yeah. No matter what the challenge and obstacle it is, we can overcome it. And and I would say because of all of that mental training that I went through and learning from a young age that that there's there's a fear that's a respect. Uh, there's that fine mm-hmm. line that I talked about earlier, but mm-hmm. fear and respect and learning that early on is why I was able to to step out of this fear that was so debilitating. I was about to quit walking the wire uh, was because I was able to learn that early on and I'd forgotten that. And it took me sort of remembering, oh, that's right. I'm watering the wrong things. I'm feeding the wrong things into my mind. I'm listening to the wrong things. I'm convincing myself I'm going to fall again. I'm convincing Mm -hmm. myself I'm not good enough rather than going, well, for the volcano, I walked two and a half miles without stopping on a cable that, that in training, uh, that I was only going to walk 1800 feet over that volcano. I walked with, uh, 80 pounds of weight on myself. I was just going to walk by myself. I walked with a 30% uh, oxygen deprivation, actually 70% oxygen oxygen deprivation mask on, knowing that uh, my gas mask wouldn't impede it more than 30%. I, I walked blindfolded and with goggles fogged up and with heat suits on. And again, trained, trained for all of that stuff so that when I get there, I'm ready. I can go, yeah, you know what? I can do this. But I, I'd forgotten all of that stuff. And I really had to refresh my brain and, and reboot in a sense, which I think we have to do sometimes. I think we have to have to kind of step out and look on our, look down on our, on our own selves and go, hey, you know, I need to change a few things and I need to go 
back to what I learned when I was younger and go back to the basics. Go back to the basics. And again, that constant tra- training harder, harder than the actual fight is, which that, that certainly helps too. What, That's right. What, I'm curious, a couple things, the inner ear with the blindfold, how do you overcome that inner ear challenge without? Yeah. So, seeing? so, um, the reason why, so I have a world record walking between two skyscrapers in Chicago blindfolded about 650 feet up. And the reason why I decided I was going to do that was I was at my eye doctor. After I walked over the Grand Canyon, I went and had LASIK surgery Mm -hmm. and I was at the doctor's office signing paperwork. And, uh, and I did it because my eyes were dried out because of my contacts walking over the Canyon. I'm like, this isn't good. And as I was filling that paperwork out, there was a section that basically said, if you lose your eyesight, sorry, you know, you're signing it away. (laughs) Uh, we're going to do our best to protect you, but you know, legalities and paperwork and that's how, that's how it works. And I thought, man, I wonder, as I was reading that, just in the office, I was like, I wonder if I can walk the wire blindfolded with my eyes closed. And I started two feet off the ground and I started just walking back and forth, just closing my eyes. No one knew I was training like that, just started. And then eventually got up a little bit higher, about 10 feet off the ground. And then after that, I started playing music. I put headphones on and started listening to music to say, hey, with these distractions, am I still able to focus? And and what it, what it boils down to is... Um, that balancing pole is an extension of, of my center mm-hmm. of gravity. Right. And I did a study with uh, Sports Illustrated where they brought in this board that they put athletes on and they push them and they move them different directions and they just see how stable and how the muscles work in their feet. Mm-hmm. And needless to say, I aced the test. And the reality was the minute, the doctor was blown away at the, the minute movements in my feet and, and how many muscles actually, and how much movement yeah, there was so and tune. how I felt yeah. every single thing. So because of that, the balancing pole, I can feel where I'm at because the balancing pole, as I lean, the balancing pole in theory stays still and I'm leaning. So I was able to see, tell where I am able to tell where I am on that wire from the top half. And then my feet are also telling me where my body is at the time. And that's how I'm able to to overcome that. Now, if I didn't have a balancing pole and just walking on the ground, I Mm -hmm. probably wouldn't do as well as I can on the wire. A, because it's been my life walking wire hundreds, I don't know, hundreds, at least, at least 5,000 miles on a cable in my lifetime, probably more. Um, but that balancing pole just, uh, again, it gives me more of a read on things. Yeah. That's interesting how your feet muscles are so developed and in tune. You can feel, you know, like obviously I couldn't feel it, but you can feel something. It's almost like superhuman almost because you've, you've done it so much. That's interesting because that inner ear thing, as a pilot, I mean, that thing jacks you up, you know, you can't, yeah. be, you can't believe what you're feeling half the time. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other th- technical thing I was asking was the winds on the Grand, when I watched the Grand Canyon one and, and, and how much, I can't remember from the special watching it, how much was that wire moving? Because so pretty substantially, it was, it was moving about uh, between 10 and 18 inches back and forth and up and down as bit. I was walking. That's crazy. Yeah, it's quite a bit of movement. And, and basically, I was riding that cable. That cable was sort of in control. Fairly unique to me. The only walk I'd ever done before that was over Niagara Falls that was similar. Yeah. We, we made some changes, but the winds weren't nearly as strong over Niagara Falls as they were over the Grand Canyon. Yeah. And then how do you prevent, is there something when, you, when you're securing this thing, how do you prevent like a... Um, like a sine wave happening or something that, or where it starts to get exponential or something. Is there something that you can, it's all about my cadence as I walk. So there were times where I had to actually, when I knelt down, uh, that was because of wind, but it also pulled some of that ripple effect, mm. sort of like a, a sound wave. 
And in fact, if you start on one side of a cable and you grab it and shake it or you tap it, you can literally watch a wave travel all the way down to the other side and then come all the way back at you on these cables that I walk. So um, it's important that I change my steps, change my spacing, my steps, change the time, uh, how slow, how fast I walk and what that does, as well as those pendulums that you saw hanging Mm -hmm. underneath. They were randomly placed. I have OCD, so I like everything to be symmetric and even. I wasn't (laughs) able to do that because they need to be off a bit, different lengths different weights. Uh, and what that does is it breaks everything up. Sure. If everything is the same and symmetric, it'll just continue to carry that wave over yeah. and over again. But if everything is different, it breaks it up and makes it smaller and reduces that wave. That's crazy, man. That's just insane. All of it's insane. You're insane, but I'm glad that you're insane because <laughs> it's very inspiring and, and inspirational. One last thing was, we were kind of wrapping up here. Your book, you talked about, um, it kind of starts about talking about the shame, silencing the shame piece. Yeah. Talk to me about that. What, why is that so important? And, and why is that one of the first things well, we got to do? For me, it was the reason why shame came about was here. I was experiencing fear on the wire. I was training with seven other, six other people to, to recreate this pyramid that had fallen six months prior. And I was trembling on the wire, physically shaking. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had it all under control. I thought I was holding it in. It was only me. No one knew about it. And uh, I would get over it. I'd work through it. I've worked over through some great mental challenges in the past, walking over Niagara Falls, Grand Canyon. I mean, the, the amount of focus and determination that takes leading up to it. I thought, I can get through this on my own. I don't need help. In fact, I remember seeing a psycho- psychologist and, and them saying, hey, early on, like days after the accident, hey, you need to deal with this. And me saying, I got back on the wire. I dealt with it. I'm fine. Yeah, right. The reality is I didn't. So what happened was after 10 days of practice, rehearsing, something like that, one of my, one of my uh, best friends who grew up with me, who's performed with me my whole life, who was in front of me in that pyramid, could not see me, but he could feel me and I didn't know that. And he literally grabbed me and after, after rehearsal, we got off the wire and went backstage and uh, he came up to me in private, grabbed me, physically shook me and he said, Nick, what the hell's wrong with you? Mm. He's like, I don't know. And I was like, what do you mean? nothing's wrong, you know, trying to play it off. He's like, no, something's wrong with you. And you need to, you need to figure it out. You need to snap out of it. And at that point I realized, okay, this is real. There's certainly something wrong with me. I don't really understand what this fear is because it's an emotion on the wire. At least I didn't ever experience before, but now I'm shameful because everybody in this pyramid knows and probably people on the ground looking up are going, that's Nick Belenda. What's he doing? Right. He's, he's trembling. He's clearly, he's physically shaking. He's scared up there. And uh, so, so basically it set me back even further because now I thought I was just dealing with fear, but, but now I've got to face this shame. <laughs> and I think shame is often the result of, of, um, of arrogance. The reality mm. was I was, I was thought, uh, you know, I'm not going to let anyone tell me that I'm not good enough or I'm not. Yeah. Ton of man up. That I do experience fear, that I do deal with the same struggles as everybody else. I had to deal with that shame. So I had to find the root of that and, uh, and deal with that. So then I could deal with the fear aspect. So again, it was, it was, it was by far the, the greatest challenge I ever faced in my life was really coming out of that, figuring out how to get through that and get back on the wire and perform. And, um, you know, certainly harder than anything I faced on the wire ever before. And even, even off the wire, changing laws and rules and regulations. This was, this was something that I was the only time in my career that I ever said, I'm going to give up. I'm done. I'm not doing it. Wow. And that's recently, and this, we're only talking three years ago. 
you know? So yeah. This is a yeah. recent and, thing and, for and you. And again, it is something that I still, ha- sure. I still deal with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you still, I would tell you also, as I get older, your mind works a little differently just <laughs> in natural, naturally, yeah. you know? And, and I go, wow, when I slip off the wire, uh, and mind you in training, I haven't fallen to the ground in, I don't know, probably 15 years in training, but, I, but if I slip, which I do on the wire occasionally, I catch the wire and hold on. Mm-hmm. Well, it hurts a lot more than it did five, 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, sure. And it's a little bit harder to get yeah. back up. And, and that plays with your mind of, yeah. well, if it happens here, what if it happens up there? And, and again, I can say, well, you caught the wire. That's what you're trained to do, but it doesn't matter. Your mind goes, mm-hmm. what if you don't? And uh, it's, it's just that endless cycle. And we've just got to, we've got to continue to fight that battle. Over and over and over again, daily. Well said. I mean, you're a man on a journey, and I think that's that's my big takeaway from talking with you is um, something that we've we've talked about on the show for eight years is that it's it's the tenacity, it's the consistency, it's having the courage. Right? It's understanding that you're going to be afraid, but like you said, courage is is a, a, a decision, you know, yep. and you can decide to continue to go forward regardless. And, um, I think it's, and I think you seem like a guy that's in tune to those callings or those nudgings, right? I know faith's very important to you watching you. So I think that's someone that you think you listen to the universe, the God, whatever you believe in, in those yep. nudgings. I think that's important to you too. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it, man. I think I, I just, I love, I love what you do and I'm glad you're walking on a wire, but I think all of us can, can take the lessons from you from that facing that fear stepping out on the faith you know kind of chipping away at what's holding you back and rise above it right that's what it's all about it is it is it's about continuing to move forward and uh you know i hope that i hope that this book as it it is released on the 15th year today that people um that people will be inspired to step out of their faith and, or step out in faith and step out of their fear. And, uh, and even if you're experiencing that fear to continue to push, continue to move forward. Well, well timing with the, I think, you know, with everything we're facing and the uncertainty and kind of the chaos that we're all facing with on a global scale, I think it's, it's more important now than ever. Right. And yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because when I started writing this book, there was no such thing or we weren't aware of COVID-19. And uh, since then, I, I just I feel like the timing is perfect. I think mm-hmm. there are so many people when I wrote it, I felt like about half of the world was living in fear. I think I think so many people are held back from being great, fulfilling their calling because of fear. And I, I often don't even they don't even realize it. Yeah. Uh, so many people give up on their dreams because of fear. The root is fear. And then here we get with this pandemic, which, again, I think even more so people need to 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 uh, to step out in faith and be bold. Well, and I think it's important, too, that that in, in fear, it's personal for everybody, right? What What's second nature to you would petrify me and vice versa. And it doesn't have to be walking on a wire crossing the Grand Canyon. I mean, it could be a simple thing as, you know, have, saying grace for the first time with your family. You know, you've never done it before. Oh, you know, something as simple as that. Yeah. It could yeah. certainly. It's, a lot of it, it's about being bold. Even bold. though when you feel, when That's you right. feel scared, when you feel fear, be bold and step through it. Yeah. Because something and, significant. Uh, and there's a lot happen. of freedom in that. People oh, don't yeah. realize that. Uh, and the more bold you are, the more confident you become and the more, the more, uh, the more you can handle the situation that you're facing. Yeah, I agree. The easier you can handle Great stuff, Nick. Thanks for coming on the show. How can people learn more about uh, the books coming out today? We're recording this on the 15th of September. The book is released today, uh, Facing Fear. 
where all books are sold, I'm sure. But how else can people get right. in touch with you and, yeah, and learn more about it? Absolutely. You? So, of course, any online retailer, Amazon has them as well. But uh, nickwalenda.com, you can order either an autographed copy or just learn more about me and where I'm at and what I'm up to. Uh, it's just nikwalenda.com. Nick, awesome to have you on the show. I'd love to have you back. Thanks for being in the Dose Leadership Circle. Thanks for coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dose of Leadership brings to your world. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.